Hey everybody, thanks for listening to another episode of Those Movie Dudes Podcast. In this week's episode, we talk about a tale of depression told through claymation with Mary and Max. We talk about Sean Penn requesting oxygen tanks on the set of Mystic River. And finally, we confront those ocean eyes of Robert Redford with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. If you're listening on a Saturday or Sunday, quickly make your way to our Instagram story, at those movie dudes, and help vote on what films we discuss in next week's episode. Make sure you stay to the very end of this episode, where we reveal what our picks are. So without further ado, let's get into this week's movies with Mystic Max and the Sundance Kid. Because hmm. I'm thinking about going as Ray Romano for, for Halloween, but... No, 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 no. Ray Romano Parmigiana. Ray Romano Parmigiana. Or Brad Garrett. I just don't care, Deborah. I just don't care. Why don't you just try stop being a bitch? Why don't you just shut the fuck up? I miss Ray. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Poor Brad Garrett. If that was the Raymond show, I'd watch it. I remember but... watching that show like pretty often when I was like growing up. It was always. Didn't on. they have a Robert show though? They did. <laughs> it was just Brad. Wait, there was a spinoff. Really? Yeah, with I no Ray so. Romano, and he was no just way. complaining, missing Ray. That's like what they do with Joey. <laughs> Where's from Ray? Oh. <laughs> every episode he wakes up, he's I like, "Miss Ray." Where's Ray? Oh. <laughs> I think I think Deborah was taking it pretty hard to Ray this morning. I think she made a sandwich she didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Ray. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, he's just watching Ice Age over and over again. God, I miss TBS. TBS. Uh, what, still exists, what's their right? thing? Well, it uh, does, but I don't watch it. Characters yeah, Welcome? Yeah, point. that's what it is. I never watched Rugrats. I know Rugrats Nate went was, to like, Paris in a movie. They did with like Reptar and Angelica was a bitch or something. She's always like that. Yeah, she, but you know, she has to deal with a lot. Her mom's a bitch, and then she has to be with these babies all the time. And Tommy's an idiot. Chaz is a fucking Whoa. dumbass. Okay, okay. For one, Chaz is the father of Chucky. Um, yeah, that's Tommy is not whatever you just said he was. Um, so watch your mouth. And then Santa's uh, little helper is just a <laughs> dumbass dog. Wrong show. Hey, okay. Wrong, okay. Okay, first of all, wrong show. Get out of here. That's Simpson. Hey. He's not a dumbass dog. The dog okay, in Rugrats is Spike. In protecting the dog, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> I don't know uh, what I'm talking about. Can we move on to real-life problems? Spencer, you're okay. covered in paint. Well, yes. Yeah, that's what we do. We are Those Movie Dudes. This is the main show. Every Friday, these episodes come out where we talk about three films that we've never seen before, and then we get together on Zoom and talk about them. It's very exciting. Excuse we've me. done it for uh, about 25 this or 6 episodes 26. so far. Yeah. Way more that just haven't been released, Excuse but me. I mean, we've done uh, we've done a good amount of these. Yeah, thanks, so, uh, technology. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, I have some of them saved. Maybe they'll come out in a later episode or a little date. I don't know. We'll see. You got some in the back pocket. Don't hold your breath. You never though. know when. Uh, you don't have you pockets. You're wearing the mono shorts. Rainy day. There's no back I pockets. I shorts. I have two back pockets. Oh, are shorts. you wearing cargo um, shorts? I uh no, they're not cargo shorts. Uh, Did you get them at Target? Yeah. Well, no. Uh, but the movie that I uh, picked for this week and that one in the poll is a movie that I've wanted to see for a very long time. It is a uh, little Butch Cassidy in the Sundance Kid. That is the movie we watched and are going to talk about on this podcast well, for me this week. Holy smokes. Uh, well, for me, I picked a movie that I've literally just seen the title, had no idea what it was about. Uh, but uh, yeah, Mystic River beat out something else. I don't remember what the hell it was. Usual suspects, maybe? I don't know. Field of Dreams. 
Field of oh, Dreams. Did beat that must have been a landslide. Let's be real. I mean, I don't think it was. The Field, of, Field of Dreams was in the lead for a while. I don't even and think then I all voted. of a sudden, Mystic River just kind of. <laughs> you voted for Mystic River. I did. Okay, so uh, I, I voted. I, saw right, that. I, just, yeah, yeah. I don't remember that, but fuck. Uh, yeah. I also Mystic voted. River. Yeah, Mystic Yay. River. Well, let's get into it. Which one do you want to start with? You guys want to? Uh, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, 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 I think there's one more movie that we watched. Yeah, because though. last week you guys messed with my like routine, so I had to start it again somehow. Um, well, I, I always, I always gotta, uh, gotta remind you. I know, uh, but uh, I, I picked a little animated film about obesity and having no friends. Uh, story of my life, <laughs> Mary and Max. Dude, no, that was my movie. Oh my god! Oh, but it's don't so... say it like that. Oh god. Well, Jesus <laughs> Christ. But, nothing, it's nothing against it. Too. It's I was just being honest. Like that's what the movie's uh, about. There's a little more to it. I, I okay. Um yeah. Mary and Max. Okay. Not Max Mary and Ruby because I was thinking of Max and Ruby. Thank you. Ruby not, and Max. <laughs> it's not the little animated show. show about the rabbits, right? It is kind of like that. Okay, um, so it's that. Close. It's a animated. Uh, if you guys want to start with Mary and Max, that'd be fine. The only request I have for this podcast is we don't start or end with Mystic River because that was a little bit of a downer this Talking week. Talking about downers, but, Mary uh, and Max is quite a, it has quite a downer. N- it has nothing to do with the rankings of these movies, just in terms of the discussion and the conversation. Uh, but what are you guys, what are you leaning towards? Uh, I'm leaning towards the computer screen right now. Uh, why don't we go Mary Max? Yeah, fuck it. Okay. Okay, a little, little my pick, I guess. Is is that is that what we're going for there? Mary and Max came out in 2009 from Oscar-winning writer-director Adam Elliott. It tells the tale of friendship between two unlikely pen pals. Mary, a lonely eight-year-old girl living in the suburbs of Melbourne, and Max, a 44-year-old, severely depressed man living in New York. Voice cast include Philip Seymour Hoffman, Tony Collette, and Eric Bana. This film has a 95% of Rotten Tomatoes and even making it at 184 in the IMDb Top 250. But yeah, this was quite odd. It randomly goes from chocolate hot dogs to sexting. This movie, Mary and Max, reminded me of another movie called uh, Anomalisa. Uh, that was a Charlie Kaufman movie that came out in 2015, was nominated for the Oscar for Best Animated Feature, but it was like an R-rated claymation stop motion type movie uh and this one is a lot like that as well because this is not a kids movie this is very much a an adult uh movie with some dark themes and they go to some levels that are pretty surprising uh and you don't typically see from these types of movies um but that being said i thought the animation the claymation the just the photorealistic just of like all of the stuff that they made and created for this movie uh, like the props and everything, it just is phenomenal. It is so insane to think about all the detail that went into every frame that's on this movie, or that's in this movie, I should say. It's it's really unique, and I thought that it was uh, it was very interesting, and it had a good story. Yeah, I mean the claymation itself, absolutely like mind blowing how they're able to do this. I think I haven't seen that many movies, but a few that come to mind would be like Paranorman, um, like Wallace and all the Leica movies. Uh, mm-hmm. was that sheep movie Could Shaun of the Sheep two or... Shaun the Sheep yeah but then again like some of those movies a lot of them are um, Isle of Dogs a lot of them are not fully claymation so I don't know I don't know what the situation is with this movie but the claymation was really good and it was fucking creepy especially the first like the opening few scenes I'm just like whoa this is a f- 
this is making me uncomfortable already. Um, <laughs> but then when you when you get into the story, man, this story is has so many layers to it. It really does. Just like it explores so many dark and kind of depressing topics. Some really sad characters that unfortunately a lot of people can relate to. So uh interesting it was, uh, yeah there was there was a few points in this movie where i actually like audibly went ah mm. <laughs> yeah i just because like for, for... i i felt bad like you could see him like getting larger and larger in size and you saw him struggling and i just I felt so bad because this guy's done nothing wrong and just i hated seeing him struggle like that and uh everything with mary she was just a cute little kid and just so much bad shit happened all at once yeah. and it's like can't this girl get a break and she just this like i have never wanted to drink condensed milk so much <laughs> since watching this movie so gross, like just eating it with it a spoon so yeah it was just like her yeah. her little treat like oh i had a good day mm, condensed milk and trust me yeah. when i say this it's not what you think milk looks like oh man it's I work with that shit because and I literally just... <laughs> I watched a, an episode of Good Mythical Morning this morning, and they were putting weird things on popcorn, and condensed milk was one of them. And apparently, it was really good. So I kind of want to give condensed milk a it's try. Very sweet. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but no. Yeah, those scenes when she's on the couch with a little like rooster that escaped the slaughterhouse uh, by like falling out of the truck. Oh, Ethel. Uh, yeah. She's eating her uh, condensed milk. <laughs> but that's the other thing is like even though this movie goes to these dark and depressing uh, themes, it's also like really funny. The sense of humor in this movie is something that I really appreciated because even though it was very depressing at times, it's still made up for it by kind of making you laugh out loud and chuckle every now and then. Just with these like random moments too, uh, like one like with the rooster. It was mad random. Uh, <laughs> and like the other one when, uh, uh, oh, I'm blanking out. Oh, there was, it was a, something that you had to read. Like, if you blink, you missed it. But it was uh, when her mother, spoiler alert, passes away and she's at the gravestone and she's like, she was always Mary, killed by Sherry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and the other one was a rhyme on how the dad drowned or something. And it was just like, that's just funny. Like, that's just it's just so random and weird. Yeah, and quirky. Buried yeah. under this holy ground lays this man who died and drowned. Yeah. <laughs> they also had the uh, the director had a gravestone in that shot too. I saw. I noticed. Oh, did that. he? Okay. So yeah, he he put himself uh, in the movie as a corpse. Well, he's in. But... He's an Oscar winner. Uh, he won an Oscar for best animated short film uh, back in like 2004 or five or something, oh, like back. Mr. Crumpet or something mm. like that. Uh, but it's the same type of uh, claymation uh, that he brought to this Harvey movie. Harvey Crumpet. Sure. Harvey Crumpet, thank you. And I think because that was so successful and won the Oscar, uh, he was given this budget to kind of create this this feature-length movie using the same technology and uh, design, and he hasn't made a movie since. Nope. Like, wow, really? This was... It's been 10 years. Maybe uh, he's working uh, on one. 11 years. That's possible. I hope so. I mean, because I think he does a great... I think he has a great sense of humor. He knows how to tell a really engaging story, and he does it with such craft, and he makes such art out of what he's making. That's what I thought was just really cool about this movie. Yeah. Not, o not only that, I mean, he just... Just the characters were created so so well. Like from start to finish, they they have all these little flashbacks and stuff, and a lot of them were hilarious. But then a lot of them, you kind of just see why these people are so damaged. Um, especially Max, he's been clearly went through a lot and uh, developed a lot of mental issues throughout his life, and that's why he's the way he is now. But um, and also the use of just lighting in this movie for little claymation figures, like was so insanely impressive like i don't know how how it must be pretty hard to light fucking 
Clay. <laughs> like, well, I'm sure they have a lot of control over it. Yeah, it's as like, opposed to these like massive scenes and big sets. But uh, it, I think they can manipulate it just a little bit better. But yeah, I mean, still the design that went into unreal, every dude. shot and frame. It's it's crazy. Uh, and uh, yeah, I love how they make New- they made New York this like dark, depressing place because that's what Max's uh, outlook of life was. Mm-hmm. And then Mary's was a little brighter, a little more vibrant, but still had those like kind of sad little moments and stuff. And there's one moment that I thought it was like really, it was really deep. Uh, and it was just like, like, like Nate said earlier, it just kind of made you go like, oh, like <laughs> that's really sweet. But it was when the, uh, uh, he, he couldn't cry. So like she sent him her tears mm-hmm. yeah. and then he poured it all over his face mm-hmm. and then finally like felt that emotion. It, it was kind of funny, but it was just like, wow, like that is like, so it's so deep. That's like, they really went there with this movie. That's an emotion that I think far too many people can resonate with because that's, that's just one of those shitty things about depression is like you just can't cry sometimes so they they really go dark and deep with these concepts and i think a lot of people probably will just kind of look past it but this movie really goes there especially some of those final scenes with with uh mary when she is uh just kind of on the outs like everything's going so bad for her and then she finally gets that package but it's it goes there, man. You don't expect this type of thing with an animated movie, but holy shit, man. It was yeah, quite something, <laughs> I will say. It was the perfect balance of humor and yeah, just really dark, real topics. Like when the old man finally decides to cross the street and then <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm watching. I'm like, at the way this is going, they're going to have him like almost die. And then sure enough, he's crossing the street and that truck flies by. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay, good. I'm glad he's okay. That poor but guy. everything with like uh, his old woman neighbor and whatnot, she's blind and whatnot, and she everything that he was doing with the fish, like he had such bad luck with a goldfish. Like Henry the woman the would be taking oh, care of his yeah. apartment, and it would just be in in the pan, in the bowl, or something. Yeah, the, the blind woman put the fish bowl on the stove and was yeah. boiling to death. It was so like, oh my god, but, that is so sad. Yeah, some yeah. of the stuff that they were just able to pull off with this claymation just really ha- showed empathy for these characters. And the whole sequence, which was actually kind of a beautiful sequence, was her... Um, she was standing up on a chair and dancing, almost like she was in an orchestra, almost mm-hmm. like a dreamlike state. And the meaning and stuff behind that scene were really dark, but I thought really well done because it made you really feel, oh, this person fe- feels like she's lost it all. But uh, yeah, okay. Mary, Mary, she was just for an eight year old girl, at least to start the movie. She was such a good character for an animated film. Yeah. So this movie reminded me of another movie that we actually all watched and talked about in one of the first podcasts that we did. Um, and John mentioned it's, it's Amelie. I, uh, but just John of mentioned Amelie. so weird, dude. Yes, you said in that podcast that you thought that the narration was a cop out, uh, but they used the same type of narration in this movie just to explain all the characters' details and like quirks and uh, like anytime they mention something in the narration, it cuts to a scene of what they just said, kind of like okay. Amelie did. And you thought and you thought anomaly they just did it too much it was a cop out it wasn't needed how do you think it worked in this one differently flawlessly because it's almost like a storybook with this one because it it is it because of the claymation maybe but also just the way that the storytelling took place they're they're going they're flashing back they're giving um, reason behind why these characters are the way they are and without the narration uh, it would be it would be kind of hard to 
to really fully understand what they're going through. I think so because this this is like seventy five percent narration. Yeah, and I from a from someone that's not even in the movie. It's just the narrator. I think it helped that he was just this British guy. I love listening to his voice. <laughs> so like, <laughs> okay. if it was one of us, <laughs> I'd enough. be like. Ugh. And Nate, did you like the narration in this? Um, I wasn't expecting so much. I kind of wish we okay. got more of them talking, just because yeah. a lot of the time I'm like, are these people ever really going to talk? Like, what what yeah. is going on? And you yeah, did yeah. hear them through their thoughts, which I thought was really smart. Um, every time they mm. were typing or writing and whatnot, you heard their voice. Um, but I could have done with less narration. I like to let the characters sure. speak for themselves. Um, and let their actions you, do it. And did you like the narration in Amelie? Or was that one of your gripes? It was a gripe. It threw me off. It, it, it pulled me okay. out. It made it feel more fantastical, which I guess is what they were trying to pull off. But I like the characters to do the talking think, because it actually engages okay. you in the story instead of being like an outsider looking in. Because yeah, I remember that being a discussion point on that podcast. So I was curious if you guys had the same thoughts on this movie because it's a very similar style. Yeah, in uh, the way they told the story, I think they did it in this one with the claymation, and I think it worked maybe just a little bit better because in claymation, the talking with the mouths, I feel like that was just one extra step of detail that he didn't want to go for. He wanted to maybe go for the artistic style the, with the compositions and the lighting, all that stuff. And instead of worrying about all like the voice movements and stuff, he just did the narration, and I I think it totally worked. Um, I really liked the narration. But I was just I wanted to ask. I think in terms mm -hmm. of the the content itself, like these two characters are very closed off. They don't like talking to people. So, if anything, it makes more sense to have them talk less because you just kind of hear their inner thoughts for most of the movie. Um, and based on just just how they are as people, I think it just I think it just worked. Uh, mm -hmm. And okay. Amelie's I guess kind of the same way. She's she's kind of an outsider, um, an observer. So, yeah, I maybe maybe that's why they went with it. Uh, with that film, yeah. and just kind of shit on it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I just I like it when the characters are able to tell their own story. Sitting on the outside, having someone else kind of do it, does feel a little bit like a cop out. But I can understand with claymation, you've already got enough on your plate. But um, yeah, anytime I get narration in a movie, it does suck me out a little bit, just because it's like, eh, come It'll on, just let 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 them yeah. do their own story. Like I get it. I can sense. watch yeah. what they're doing. I can You're being, instead of being told. Yeah, yeah. and I, I and it. if if the acting and stuff is good enough and the music is done right, they can show emotion without a narrator. We can yeah. figure out the depression and stuff like that. And but yeah, but it, that didn't really ruin the movie for me. It was just right, something yeah, I yeah. would have preferred less. I definitely echo those those uh, thoughts. I'll just but if it, if the narration serves the story and it works for the story, I am totally fine with it. And in this case, in like Mary and Max and Amelie, I feel like the narration did serve the story, so I give it a pass. But yeah, no, I definitely I think a lot of people kind of understand or can share the same thoughts on narration, just because it is a little intense <laughs> no absolutely i i think yeah. they also used it in a really funny way too like he would say something and then it would cut to a scene that just was really funny i don't i can't think of an example right now but it reminded me of family guy though just like, yeah 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 <laughs> cutaways and, oh, just like okay i love yep. the all right Here this is one of the opening scenes when it's uh kind of just explaining like what she wants out of life she's like i want to have a family with a guy named earl gray and a dog named kevin and, and then it just cuts to all yeah, these scenes, and, and it was. Kevin. I just yeah. love that dude. That I laugh. I yeah, laughed right. out loud. I'm like, and eh, dog named Kevin. I like yeah, how they'd amazing. always go PPS or PSS, and it would just be random stuff. Like, do you know how to yeah. skydive? P 
PPS. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had condensed milk. Here is some chocolate. PPPS. Have you ever been swimming in the ocean or something <laughs> random? Like, like random okay. Train of the, yeah. I did love the language uh, in this movie, like the dialogue. It was just a lot of like nonsense words too. Like and there was one scene where he just goes off about all these words that he's made up, uh, like confuzzled and <laughs> like shamblingans or something. I don't know. I'm going <laughs> to send random words. I'm going to send these um, into Webster's to see if they'll add them to their <laughs> book. But John, question to you. Did you notice one of his favorite words? Do you remember what one of his favorite words is? Oh God! Come on, come on! Do you remember? I can it's tell you. Context. It's one word. He had a list of five, and there was one word in there. I think it was number like three or four. Oh shit! You don't dude. remember? No, I don't remember. I know. I can picture the the list though. I'm gonna tell you. You ready? <laughs> yeah. One of his favorite words was bumblebee. Hmm. I thought you would. I thought it you was. Would Thank you. Yeah. Well, shout out to mainstream. Oh, Thank yeah. you. And testicle. <laughs> testicle. Yeah, and testicle, five. yeah. Speaking yeah. of testicles. Um, um, yeah. But uh, my final thoughts, I thought Mary and Max, I thought it was honestly a beautiful movie. Uh, something that I really wasn't expecting like to go to these levels of uh, themes and tones, but it did, and I really can applaud it for that. Uh, I really want this director uh, to make more movies. I think he is a really good filmmaker and a good storyteller. And I would love to see another movie uh, done with this type of style. Uh, I think he's, uh, I think he's a really cool uh, filmmaker out there. So I'm gonna give this one kind of a high grade, but I could easily see myself rewatching this. And if it's got a Blu-ray release, I would probably pick it up just because I think it's worth it and uh, it's very artful. Uh, I'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five. Wow, pretty big on this one. Yep. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I I echo everything you said. I I think the claymation was amazing. I think the the topics that are explored in this movie that are a lot of the time ignored in mainstream media. I know this isn't a kids movie, but using claymation to kind of explore these really hard topics that are hard to talk about, um, I think it was done really well. I really really like this movie. It totally fucking out of left field. Did not expect this. I didn't know what we're getting into. I just remember seeing the poster. I'm like, oh, it's weird. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was, it was really good. So I, I'd give this four and a half out of five as well. I, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to be the deal breaker, aren't I? <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Wow. We're on the same page. Wow. I love this movie. Um, it's a good movie. It's dude. a really shit, good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised. Yeah. yeah I'm going to, I'm going to go a little lower. Um, I'm, I'm giving it a four out of five. Um, it was definitely Great. one of those movies that I would rewatch had those really strong themes that kind of, like John said, came out of left field, but then I respected them. Um, the end for me was a little obvious. Like I saw it coming. Really? Um, just about. Yeah. Like any, any time that a movie description says, will the two ever meet face to face? Okay. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. Okay, so there's two ways this can happen, and the way the whole story was going, it could kind it's of figure it out. It's also very, like, poetic. Like, you could, yeah, I could, I could definitely see, like, how you could think that it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. But it, it was very well done. Great voice acting with Tony Collette and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Eric Bana. Uh, so, yeah, four out of five for me. It was definitely fun. It had that atmosphere. Um, could have had a little bit more. Could have done without the narration. But four out of five for me. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, this this was a big surprise. I'm uh it's not a streaming Very anywhere, cool. unfortunately, as far as I know. I think it was streaming at the time when you chose it, Nate, or uh Yeah, uh, yeah. it was not. It was it was not. Well, 
it's definitely worth checking out if if you haven't seen this movie and you're interested in claymation or just a good story in general i think it's worth watching so Hmm. that's my take mainstream boy over here not a very mainstream film i must say it is not but you guys gave it the high grade so damn bro now i'm now i'm nervous (laughs) oh boy okay um Let's move into the little, uh, little Mystic River. Mystic River. Yeah, all right, boys. Mystic River came out in 2003 from director Clint Eastwood. It's about the lives of three men who were once childhood friends, forced to reunite many years later when one of them has a family tragedy. The cast includes Sean Penn, Tim Robbins, and Kevin Bacon. It has an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes and winner of two Oscars, including Best Leading Actor with Sean Penn and Best Supporting Actor for Tim Robbins. I did. Did you watch Mystic Pizza with Julia Roberts? <laughs> oh, that's why I was so confused. <laughs> Shit. I was told Sean Matt Penn Damon's was in this movie, role. and instead I got Julia Roberts. Well, I'm so upset. I, I wish I put Mystic River against Mystic Pizza. How fucking that would have been Battle great. of the mm. Ages right there. Uh, all right, Nate. So Mystic <laughs> River. Uh, so there is a river in the movie. Okay, and there's no Julia Roberts. Okay, I so, think so. I need to change river. my grade real quick. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this, that, that was some mystical river, even though it really had, you know, nothing to do with the movie. I always think that the girl who played Katie in the movie, I always, What's for some name, reason, bro? I, she's in Shameless. Shameless. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen Shameless. Um, Emmy Rossum. Yeah. yeah. I always thought that was Penelope Cruz for some reason. I don't know. I guess I think they look alike. Um, but she was good. Um, everyone else sucked. Wow. Um, Lawrence Fishburne? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Lawrence Fishburne came out, he came out of left field for me. I wasn't expecting him. Usually he's like the head detective. And in this one, he was like the witty cop. And I was like, oh, this is, this is a weird change of pace. But he called Kevin Bacon out on his shit, man. Kevin Bacon. He did. It's, it's always nice to see these great actors who uh, work well together and seeing the camaraderie as adults. But, seeing the tension seeing how they kind of had to put their friendship aside in order to figure out what's going on sean penn just seemed like the most badass character like he whispers in people's ears and if he's looking at you you're fucked (laughs) because he just he seems to just always be like hey let's uh he's got ulterior motives and it's it's always very scary um but kevin bacon uh i he wasn't as good as I was hoping he would be. I thought he was going to be the super in charge cop, but I think Sean Penn stole the movie for me. Just Can for... I add on to that? Yeah. Um, real quick, because it was interesting. I was reading a little bit behind the scenes. Michael Keaton was cast as uh, Kevin Bacon's role and apparently like moved mm. himself to Boston. He researched, uh, he shadowed uh, the police captains of East Boston uh and uh maybe not east boston but just boston in general uh and was doing a lot of like um, preparation for this role and they're about to start shooting and then all of a sudden him and clean east would get in this really big argument he storms off and or or he gets fired blah 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 kevin bacon comes in last minute so i i totally see yeah when you said that like he wasn't on par with sean penn and tim robbins who won the oscar for this movie both leading and supporting but kevin bacon came in apparently so last minute uh to this production and I think his you know, storyline did, did, and Kevin, he was fine. Kevin yeah. Bacon's storyline was the least interesting. Like the whole thing with his wife and how she would call and not say anything. I was like, that was this dumb. Seems so misplaced. Like why? So tacked on. Why? And then at the, and toward yeah. the end of the movie, it's like it just seems so unnecessary. 
uh, because the real story is clearly with Dave and Jimmy and the the shit that they're going through and Sean accusing him and it was just such a more gripping part of the tale that was happening. But Kevin yeah. Bacon, yeah, I don't give a shit about his wife. <laughs> I really didn't. Uh, but yeah, all the wives in this movie were so like I don't know like. Even Marsha Gay Harden, she was good though. She was really good in this movie. I think, I mean, she got nominated for supporting actress, didn't win, but uh, she she was good in the movie. But her character, like, who who does that to their husband? That was fucked up. But she, but she doesn't help him. Instead, she rats him out or something. Like, just like, I think it's just the way that when that happened in the movie, I was appalled. I was like, who are you? Like. You're, what the fuck? <laughs> I think it has to do with the way that Sean Penn kind of manip- manipulates people, where he kind of just sits her down well, and, and also, corners her and is like, tell me what I want to hear, basically. But, and also how uh, Dave just couldn't tell her because of what the trauma that he had experienced when he was a kid. Uh, like He just kept everything locked, bottled up, and led everyone to believe what they believed. And it was just like, holy shit, like... With these simple little like changes in conversation, like this movie would have gone so like somewhere completely different, but it it really went to this dark, depressing nature, and it was like, holy fuck, this is a uh, quite the experience. Yeah, <laughs> I was less interested about um, the whole the murders and whatever was going on. I was more interested in seeing Sean Penn's character just kind of descend into. It seemed like he was becoming some type of mob boss. And I was interested in that because he kept like going to people and using whatever powers he had to kind of get the answers he wanted. And I can see what you mean with Tim Robbins' wife because he would sit down on the stoop and be and ask her specific questions. Yes or no answers and just one head nod or whatnot. And you just see the look on his face go. Okay, I know what I have to do. Um, he did overact, I think, in a couple of scenes, like where he's screaming and the cops are pulling him away. It's like, ooh, Fair. settle down a little bit, man. You you keep screaming and your voice is getting really pitchy. It's hard to see you as a badass when you sound like a thirteen year old girl. To be fair, though, um, that scene, for that he's for that <laughs> kind of reveals. Well, yeah, the, I know, but he for, like he'll scream really loud and then he'll go. Ah, 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 again, it's like it's like, it's uh, Tom Cruise in the Mummy, like with that great famous scream. Great movie. Well, so it's, uh, Sean Penn requested that day when they had to shoot that scene. He requested an uh, an oxygen uh, oxygen tank nearby. It had to be like right next to him or something, like right off Fucking screen. Serious. And he would go <laughs> in between takes. He'd have to go and like take oxygen because he was gonna. He like apparently he was gonna commit to this level of just like his father losing his daughter. Just like he's going to portray that in the most like insane, over the top way possible. Uh, and I mean, he won the Oscar, it's... so I, I guess it worked. <laughs> like I guess he got what he was going. It's for. complimented really but, yeah, well. Yeah, no, uh, with the camera it was shot over that they the used top. too. The, oh, the bird's yeah, eye view. It's like, it, yeah, it like pushes like back and he's like, the sky. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. like Revenge of the Sith. No. Yeah. But I also, <laughs> I also read that like, sorry, in the scene when he goes to the morgue and like promises like vengeance. Mm-hmm. I guess his scene, like his performance, was so intense it made her like burst into tears on the table. Like, oh when she was supposed to be dead. Emmy Rossum. Uh, Fired. I'm just like I don't know how true I don't know how true that is or not, but like I I believe it because Sean Penn is. 
really good in this movie, and I, I get why he won the Oscar. Uh, I don't know what else, whether we were competing that year, but um, he was really good in this movie, um, and his character was by far the most interesting, even though the stuff with Dave was also inter- uh, interesting. Um, I just don't know if they explored it the way I was hoping it was going to go, but mm-hmm. um, it was still like, oh, this is... I think there were a lot of storylines yeah. thrown in there that they couldn't exactly explore everything. Like, Tim Robbins had a lot of... Sh- or, I'm sorry, Dave, Tim Robbins' character, had a lot of shit going on. There could have been a whole movie about kind of his past and how it affected him and, you know... The, the... There is. It's called Jacob's Ladder. Well... Oh, have you seen <laughs> that? I, to... I have. No, I don't have the Blu-ray. You had the Blu-ray and I it's didn't watch it. It's weird. It's so bizarre. Yeah, uh, it's messed up. And it's got some co- a couple creepy moments, like with the head shakes and like the train station. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, that's a creepy thing." But yeah, we're, we'll maybe talk about that later. He's the best <laughs> performance in this movie. I, I um, think, though, I think Tim Robbins yeah, absolutely oh, steals the show. Fantastic, he, won the Oscar. It, yeah, the most. I think the most damaged character. It's just from start to finish, that opening scene. Like you can tell that these three are just destined to have a fucked up life from that from that moment on, and. They set it up mm-hmm. so well, and they even kind of come full circle with uh, uh, Spencer Treat Clark, I think, and one of the other. Yeah, the mute, the mute. Kid, yeah. yeah, no, oh. I'm sorry, not the mute kid. I mean, uh, kind of Sean Penn's goons. They like, they're like, hey, get in the car, get in the car. We're gonna go get a drink, and then they do it again. Oh, okay. And then he has to get in the back seat, and it's kind of the oh, same. Oh yeah, scene. yeah, yeah. It was, like, it was yeah, right. Yeah, I love that. It's just it was. a testament to the storytelling. It was. Uh, Really impressive, Clint Clint Eastwood, man. He's a, you know not a bad director. Well, here's my here's my gripe with Clint Eastwood, and that's funny that I say I have a gripe with Clint Eastwood because He'll I think fuck he's you up, the most <laughs> fantastic. He's an incredible performer. He's an incredible actor. He's a great director. Um, I just I don't like some of his style stylistic choices with the lighting in particular because everything is just overblown. And all of his movies, too, that he directs, they're very, like, all the colors pulled out of them, and everything's very overblown. Mm. Kind of like what Spielberg did late in his later career, like Bridge of Spies and that kind of that shit. Like all and Lincoln, like, this washed-out tones. Okay, uh, but no, like, that's, like, that, what most of his movies are. I mean, Million Dollar Baby, uh, there's another one, uh, The 1517 to Paris, uh, uh, the one that just came out, Richard Jewell. All of, the, all of his movies have, like, the same stylistic look that's just so, like, washed out and overblown and just like, I don't understand why he chooses to go that way. Uh, and he also does things in just like one take. He's famous for only working maybe eight hours a day, maybe 10 hours just because he's done it for so long. He's a legend in the industry. And the thing is with him and he's just like, we got it. Move on. <laughs> like he'll just do one take and the actors are like, can we do another one? No, we got it. <laughs> and so like, that works too because you can you're very efficient. You get a lot done, but also you can see it in the movie at times. Uh, they're just like that with a couple more takes. I feel like he, that could have been a little bit better, or just I don't know. But uh, that's just my one gripe with Clean Wood movies. Is just is there a particular scene where you feel like just it wasn't the way it should have been? Like it could have been a little bit. Sorry, I, I'm, main, I'm mainly thinking about Million Dollar okay, Baby because just... there's one scene where this was this massive like boxing fight, and you could see they're just in like a high school gym in a wide shot. <laughs> it's just like, come on. Like, they, they didn't even fill the scene either. I haven't seen um, that. That's, but, that's yeah, one of those movies know. I still haven't gotten around to. That, yeah. But this one was, yeah, this one was better in terms of that, but just, uh, it was a little bit long, and I just, I didn't love the uh, the washed out look to it, but that's it. That's, it's 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 warranted though because it's a very dark, depressing movie where these people are having the life ripped out of them, literally. So hundred percent. 
that's that's my uh that's my comeback i guess yeah because um, I like I like the color the tones. Great. I thought it was really well done. The use of color tones just added to the story, in my opinion. So, hmm. but I can, maybe I need to see Million well, Dollar Baby. An, that, <laughs> well, that's know. just his stylistic choice. Yeah, yeah that's it. it was a great movie. Million Dollar Baby was a great movie. Oh yeah, this is my movie. So yeah, how about uh, some final thoughts from from Nate? Um, my one gripe with this movie. Now that we're in the final thoughts, um, was he used music in scenes that should not have had music, like when uh. When Sean Penn's being pulled away by the cops and there's this dramatic music going while he's screaming, cut the music out, man. Let the let it feel real. Just him screaming or when they're in the hospital, when uh, the wife is going to see Sean Penn, and he's sitting there with his hands in his face. Just this this like almost like sweet music is playing. Yeah, it's yeah. like, come on, you really have to be so old fashioned. Like, let it be quiet. Let the sadness build up. And then maybe have some tension with Sean Penn and like seeing his daughter and whatnot. But no, nah, it's got to have this music leading into Sean Penn saying, "I'm gonna get my revenge." It's like no, let 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 the tension build. And I don't think Eastwood let that happen a lot. Um, but the performances really drove this movie. And uh, Kevin Bacon was definitely the weaker link, but I still thought he was very convincing. Um, and it was nice having Lawrence Fishburne in there as well. Uh, but kudos to Sean Penn and Tim Robbins. They knocked it out of the park. Um, I did look a little bit into the end, but it, there's a lot of meanings behind what was said and whatnot. And so that I can appreciate. Um, but I'm giving this one a four out of five, I guess, if, if this is final thoughts. Um, I didn't know it won this many Oscars. Uh, I didn't either. But I didn't yeah, do any research clearly. <laughs> I think it won. It won four Oscars in total. It was. I mean, it, it got nominated for a bunch. It was nominated for Best Picture. I think Clint Eastwood got a Best Director nomination. I saw won two Oscars. Uh, Best Supporting Actors with Marsha Gay Harden and Best Adapted Screenplay. Gotcha. Um, so this was a big awards contender when it came out in 2003. But um, yeah, they just won the two uh, acting categories gotcha well four out of five for me definitely a solid solid film uh keep going on clint eastwood please how old is he now yeah. like 97 or something? 89 90. no he's, he's 90. 90 i think he's i, oh, I think dude. he just turned 90 uh he's he's a legend he makes a few he's more iconic. what was the most recent because i saw he's Sully. still going Sully was 2016 uh, richard jewel no, no. okay i haven't seen that uh, yeah yeah Richard Jewell, uh, The Mule. That's another one that I was kind of mentioned. He just kind of does like one takes. Works that movie's amazing, <laughs> He's dude. Just... I've seen that like three times. Really? Yeah. You like The Mule? I love that movie. Okay. I've seen it three times. I was, I thought it was okay, but yeah. Uh, I like this movie. I think it's. I think it was really good. Uh, I think it's a little bit too long, two hours and 20 minutes. I was feeling the length, uh, especially towards the middle. I was like, let's get going or focus on a certain plot uh, because there was many plots in this movie. Uh, but I thought that this is probably one of the better Clint Eastwood uh, directorial movies. Uh, I think that it was. Uh, I like that it was all set in Boston. Uh, I watched the movie in Boston, which was kind of fun. It was like That's always nice. literally the street <laughs> that the opening was uh, filmed on. I was like, "This is weird," <laughs> but uh, that was kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go three and a half out of five. Uh, I definitely don't think I would ever want to watch this one again. Um, but uh, it was still a very good movie with some great performances, especially from Tim Robbins. Yeah. Uh, I, I echo your your points. I say that every time you say anything. But I uh, I appreciate it. I really like this movie. I, I think it was directed really well. The storyline was just, for the most part, really well done. Uh, a lot of layers to it. The acting, especially Tim Robbins, was just heartbreaking. 
amazing. And, uh, you know, I, I just, for some reason, stories like this appeal to me. I'm, I'm into these hardcore dramas and this one was done very well. Uh, I would watch this again. I, I liked how it took place in Boston, like the town, um, uh, Patriot's day, stuff like that. Movies that take place in Boston feel somewhat nostalgic for me, I guess. Um, and I can see why they would be for you, Spencer. Uh, but yeah, I give this four and a half out of five. This was a oh I, shit! I really like this movie. It's just high. Okay, it ripped me, man. You know, some good shit, dude. Some good shit. I'm and I'm giving high grades to pretty much everything this week. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid came out in 1969 from director George Roy Hill. Taking place in the early 1900s Wyoming, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid are leaders of a band of outlaws. After a train robbery goes wrong, they find themselves on the run with a posse hard on their heels. The cast includes Paul Newman and Robert Redford, has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, and winner of four Oscars, including Best Cinematography, Best Score, Best Original Song, and Best Screenplay, motherfucker. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Robert Redford with those gorgeous ocean eyes that you can just stare into get lost in holy shit the the blonde hair the bieber do of the 1960s god something appealing about this movie i don't think i've seen very many paul newman movies have we watched any of the podcast as far as i know no Uh, i've tried to do cool hand luke a few times but they've been voted out make better choices uh but yeah he was really something in the movie i think that the uh kind of the the tag team element of these two like sharpshooter train robbers together there are some really funny scenes between them some uh kind of just you know very serious dramatic scenes and they played off each other really well um i loved the uh the train robbery sequences especially with that guy who just happened to be on the train a couple times over and like (laughs) he's like yeah Yeah, you know i just need to you know i gotta do what's right for my boss and they're like well you're gonna get blown to shit (laughs) and he's like yeah okay and then it happens and it's there were just some really funny sequences with the train robbery and then it kind of takes a turn uh to to be this like on the run movie with the with these people chasing them and it was really cool you know there were a lot of really cool scenes i i like the like every scene there really was a lot of tension because they were always on the edge of their on the or uh, they were always basically on the run like they they could have been caught at any time if they didn't keep moving um it was it was really cool i uh another another 1960s old film in a western which is a a genre that i'm not really big on i kind of kind of dug this especially robert redford because he's an attractive man <sighs> well that pace got derailed um but th- there was some times in this movie where I just scratched my head and I'm like, what were they thinking? Um, like when they had like a five minute montage of just old photos of them on a boat traveling to South America. Like, are you kidding me? I was pissed. Why? <laughs> it was weird. It was funny though. Cause, Cause because it definitely in... seemed like they forgot to shoot it. <laughs> like it definitely seemed that way. In the they, book it went from like, not a serious movie, but like these outlaws were on the run and they could get in serious shit. And then it cuts to like this old timey, like fast playing piano music. And they're all just having fun on this boat. And then they're in Bolivia and it's just like, maybe they were running out really? of money. creative choice to kind no, of transition to the is... next part of the movie. <laughs> that w- that was something I wanted to talk about with this too. Yeah, it was just like I did not 
expect that because it seemed like they forgot to shoot the scenes. And they're like, shit, <laughs> we don't we don't have money to do this. Can we just, you know, stage some pictures and just have a little fun music? And then Man, that was such there? a pace killer. Like, it was going really good, and then I'm just sitting there watching, like... Just these pictures go by, and I'm like, "Are you serious? Like that? Mo- this movie could have been a five out of five until that point, and then it completely went right down because just they decided to do that. They decided to make the chase from the the bad guys like ten scenes too long. Just it's always, oh, there's them, there's the bad guy, there's them climbing up a hill, there's the bad guy. Oh, they're looking again for the bad guy. Oh, there's the bad guy. It's like I was just bored." At that point, like, get to, like, the bank robberies, get to them being outlaws. Um, Robert Redford did save the movie for me um, because he was insanely funny. Like, when he gets to Bolivia and he steps in poop, he just turns and looks and gives Paul Newman this dirty look and just starts walking away. And when they're about to jump into the water... And he's like, come on, you jump first. No, I don't want to. No, they're go- we're going to shoot him out. Okay, I can't swim. <laughs> yeah. I audibly laughed. I was like, oh, Robert Redford, this Hollywood badass, can't swim. So, yeah. It, it, but it was definitely entertaining. Like, I'm not going to say it was a bad movie, but there was just some choices where I was pulled out. I was like, I, really? No, I totally I totally get it. But, yeah, no, I was never once bored during this movie. I thought it was constantly entertaining. It was funny. I just did not expect how funny this movie was going to be. And or just whether it was intentional or unintentional, it still just added to the enjoyment and entertainment value to me personally. Uh, I, I get that the you thought this was a little bit too long with the scenes, and it was because it kept on being like, okay, they're out of the distance, they're a little further. Out in the distance, a little further. But to me, what held that together was just their constant banter just back and forth, their chemistry together with Paul Newman and Robert Redford were just magnetic together. Uh, and it was just, it was so fun to see. And something that you mentioned a couple of days ago, I think it was right after you saw it, you're like, Robert Redford and Paul Newman are like the original 21 Jump Street. And I think that is so true. Like, it okay. completely is so true. Just because, like, just their, their, their weirdness together and just how well they, like, work off one another. It was just so much fun to watch. Uh and yeah, I feel like once they go to Bolivia, the movie lost my interest a little bit. It wasn't as exciting as these like as the these like really like expert trackers trying to find the bank robbers uh, and try to kill them or bring them to justice. And then they go to Bolivia, then it's just kind of like, okay, what and what's going on here? But uh, like I said, I was never bored with it. I thought it was just very entertaining, and uh, for a western, uh, this was pretty fun uh, and something I wasn't expecting. And another scene where it just felt so out of place and just random and weird was when uh, the woman wakes up after being with Robert Redford and Paul Newman's just kind of riding the bike outside. And then they go on this, like, montage date with the yeah. raindrops keep falling on my head yeah. for, like, three that minutes. That was weird. And it's like, that wait, is she weird. in a relationship with him? Like, what is going on in this movie? But it's so funny. Like, just, like, the things that he was doing like the, uh, with the bike and shit. It was just so random, and like when they said, just like, what were they thinking when they were filming this movie? Just she was like... she was so underused, I thought, because yeah. Catherine Ross is a phenomenal actress, and Stepford Wives, The Graduate, and all this stuff, and she was almost she was just the sidekick to these two guys, and then she just at one point's like, oh, I'm just gonna go, I'll leave. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, well. It, it sucks because she was hardly even used, but uh, when they're trying to learn Spanish. 
And he's like, oh, you know what? You talk to them. I don't yeah. care. They switch positions and like hand each other the gun. And they're like, all right, you do this. <laughs> Every like, scene where they rob really? a bank or a train, I wish they'd done it more. I feel like they, they underuse those type of scenes. But those were like my favorite ones. Where the second the, train was my favorite. The, yeah, that's true. The second I train. was not expecting an explosion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just gets just demolished, dude. Back. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I laughed so hard because he's just exactly. like, all right, well, uh, BH Heron or whatever the guy's name, I know he's your boss, but uh, here we go. And then boom, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. That I was not expecting. <laughs> and they're all picking up money. Those scenes were definitely yep. like when they were at their best, I think. And you only got, you know, three or four of them. And that that Bolivia scene was only like a couple minutes, you know, when they when they robbed the bank. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean the Bolivia scene was like the second half of the movie almost, or like the the last. I don't know. It was like thirty minutes, and it was like a Bolivia. montage of like three or four different bank robberies, and just yeah, yeah. seeing the bad guys kind of on their tail, leading to a pretty entertaining. How are they that finale. good at tracking them? By the way, oh, how was that guy? The that finale good? was so much fun. Just yeah. I thought it was awesome. I thought I loved the finale of this movie. Like when they kept on covering each other and trying to run to the next scene. Like it reminded me of another more, more water, modern day uh, movie, but Three Ten to Yuma. I don't the ending of that movie. I won't spoil it, it, but just like the whole shootout chase scene that happens. It's so intense and it's so riveting. And this one just reminded me of that. But I'm sure they were paying homage to it because that came out way after. Um, but this won four Oscars. Best Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Original Song, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. <laughs> kidding me, dude. Which I did not know. I did not know that, that this was from this movie. Because, uh, I mean, I've heard that song, we all probably have, so many times. Uh, which is, I think, kind of hilarious. And it also won Best Original Score. Um, and then on, nominated in Picture, Director, and Sound. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... This was just so much fun to me. I, I, I just something I wasn't expecting. And the one thing I wanted to ask you guys, if you, if there was a modern day remake of this movie, who would be Butch Cassidy and who would be the Sundance Kid? Because I have a duo that I'm like the whole time I was watching. I'm like that would be. All right, I got. I want to see that movie. I got for one. some. Okay, what's yours? Robert Downey Jr. as Sundance Kid. It would be an older combo. Okay. And uh, Harrison Ford as Butch Cassidy. <laughs> Just the, right off the top of my head, I see the f I f I would flip that, but I would see it. I would I'd see Harrison Ford more as uh, Robert Redford's character. Really? Okay. Mm. Yeah, I, I just think of it in I don't terms know. of age right now. That's how I would probably have. And to Danny do it. Jr. would definitely as like the quirky like or I don't know the quip guy. I don't know that you gave mm. me ten seconds and that's what I came up with. So. I know I did. <laughs> I liked it, but I'd flip it personally. Fair, fair. Nate, do you have one yet? Um, still thinking. Ryan I, I won. Really? You you go ahead. I can't I can't think of something like that off the top of my head. Okay, uh, Brad Pitt in the Robert Redford role, and I would go Paul Rudd as Butch <laughs> Cassidy. Because Paul Rudd reminded me of Paul Rudd. I know, but Paul, but he literally reminded me of Paul Rudd's mannerisms in this movie, which I just I thought was just really funny, and I loved his character. Um, but here's the thing: but, you know uh, what's going to happen? They're going to yeah. they're going to cast Chris Pratt and like Will <sighs> Ferrell, and it's going to be a shit ass comedy, <laughs> ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes remake piece of crap. And Cameron Diaz is going to be the <laughs> could you, role. Could you <laughs> fucking imagine, dude? Jason Siegel's in it. I'd be so disappointed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give my final thoughts, man. I, I thought this was a fun movie. I didn't expect this. I, you know, I look looking at it, it's like just a, an old Western movie, but Re Robert Redford, Paul Newman are just great, man. So many fun scenes with them. They're good at what they do. Robert Redford is this, like, master class of sharpshooter and, uh, 
Only when he moves. Only when he moves. Only when he moves. Uh, but yeah, man. And, and I love the scene when at the end when he's like, "You have to cover me. I can't. <laughs> like, I can't do it. You have to do it." <laughs> um, but yeah, I hate that I'm so smart. Just yeah, it was just it was a really well crafted movie. I think the like you guys did bring up some good points with the transitional scenes were just weird. Like they didn't think of how they were gonna be like, okay, how are we gonna transition from, you know, I don't know if they were in Texas or whatever, but from Texas to uh, Wyoming, Bolivia. Where were they? Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah, they just didn't know what they were doing in that in that aspect of the film, but that didn't bother me. It didn't take me out of it. I, I was still into it. Um, yeah, good performances. Okay. Final, good old time, and that final scene was a hell a hell of something to watch. It was it was cool. Uh, I'd give this yeah. four out of five. Four out of okay. five. Solid All right. old, not bad old film. It's a yeah. good score. All um, right. I was I was thrown off by the fact that they went from Wyoming to New York to Bolivia in about ten minutes. Um, so that kind of stunk. Um, but I just I wish they had just stayed where they were and just ran out the law instead of I don't I don't know. It sounds like I'm picking on this movie a lot, but the chemistry between them was perfect. Like, that was the perfect part of the movie, was them just driving it along with their humor. And because I was thinking it was the other way. I thought Paul Newman was the Sundance Kid, and I thought Robert Redford was Butch Cassidy. Sure. So when that happened, it was a little different. I think I'm changing my grade. I did give it a four out of five originally. I'm bumping it down to a three and a half. Um, just because that, that middle portion had ruined the pace for me. It took it from going up and being one of the best movies I've watched doing the podcast. And it almost like cut out from underneath and it just copped out with those transitions. But then when it got back to Bolivia, it was pretty fun because they were bank robbing and it led to a great final scene. But that part in the middle, it was to some people, it might not look like a lot, but that was a big like shot to the heart. I was like, really? They had to do that. Um, but it's still a phenomenal movie, but there's just some things that just sucked me out of it and made it less enjoyable for me. So I'm going three and a half out of five. Okay, fair enough. I definitely see those uh, criticisms because that's what stopped me from going as high as I was, I'd like to. But also I saw those flaws as also just added to the entertainment value for me just because I thought it just it was weird. It just It just, I thought, worked with the tone that the movie was going for. Um, but, uh, I went really high for this because I am kind of bummed that it's taken me this long to see it because I thought that this is one of the most fun Westerns that is out there. I think the duo between Robert Redford and Paul Newman is just amazing. And it's like that kind of buddy cop type, I don't know, those like buddy movies that you, that, uh, I hadn't seen yet and that are so fun to watch. Uh, and it was funny. It had dramatic scenes. Uh, it was just a really great movie and I had a ton of fun watching it. And it's something that I actually Googled. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid 4K after it ended, and it doesn't exist, unfortunately. Hmm. So, uh, we'll, we'll, But here's my predi- uh, petition to start uh, a release of uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid on 4K, because I will buy it, because I'm going 4.5 out of 5. This one was just so much fun to me, and uh, I had a ton of fun, um, even though it was weird and bizarre. But, I would uh, personally say yeah. it's the best Western that I've seen since like Hateful Eight, Django Unchained. And those are modern day mainstream westerns, but you know I would definitely put it above like Stagecoach. It's a different take on a western for sure. Any yeah. John Wayne western, I just didn't like those movies. I know they're a little bit older, but this was just fun, man. I don't know. 
And I was surprised that it was, it was in uh, color. I didn't expect it to be in color. So maybe that. The opening was weird. It was all like sepia. Yeah. And I was like, was, what, I was is the, am I watching like, like a that. weird version? Is my TV weird? And then there was like that scene, like once they get in the horses, it kind of like the, it fades away and comes to the like, normal colors wasn't come it? in. That scene? Uh, or... I don't remember. It just took place at a different time than like the movie was set, I think. So I don't know, but yeah, yeah the sepia okay. was weird. Well, uh, <laughs> Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was available on Hulu, but it's not anymore. So if you haven't uh, seen it or don't have Hulu, you find it, uh, you can rent it and watch it a different way. And watch uh, The 4K does exist on uh, iTunes. So if you want a digital 4K, go ahead. But you know what? I don't like that. Um, but yeah, uh, you guys want to announce uh, the next movies for next week? Yeah, so I just chose well, mine in uh, the last five minutes. Because I, f- oh, I forgot, and hopefully you guys haven't seen them. But uh, okay, uh, two very different films. We have My Cousin Vinny, which I own on Blu-ray. Never mm-hmm. seen it. Thanks, Mom, for buying it for me. But My Cousin Vinny, all right? And Moulin Rouge. Okay. Uh, the two movies that I am uh, going to put up in the poll, which you can vote on uh, in our Instagram stories right now, if you're listening to this podcast, if it's Friday or if it's Saturday slash Sunday-ish, uh, you can go to our Instagram right now at those movie dudes and vote for whatever we talk about uh, next week. Uh, the two movies that I'm picking, uh, being John Malkovich, we'll Spike really? Jones film, pick that. That's uh, which is on Netflix. And the other one, which is a movie that I have started and fallen asleep toward, or fallen asleep in, or just you know what, I've only seen like a two scenes Cloud from Alice. it, but I haven't seen it all the way through, and I need to. It's, I've owned it on Blu-ray for so long, but it's Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World. Uh, Russell Crowe, nice. you know, ship action. I don't know. Uh, I've heard it's very good, uh, so I've uh, I've wanted to see it for a while, and that's on Hulu. So Netflix and Hulu, uh, those are the streaming platforms that these movies are on. And you can vote in our Instagram stories. Okay. Well, John, I'm going to apologize to you ahead of time uh, because, because you're not going to be happy. Um, I love Mary and Max. You surprised me. Like I think it's like one out of four. I'm like, damn, that was the best movie of the week, which it was this week. Uh, so thank you. Oh, uh, just wait. Um, okay. The fir- the first film that I picked is a film called Cleo from Five to Seven. Fuck. Um, film from 1962 directed by Agnes Varda and the second one is known by some as one of the first films to lead into documentary filmmaking uh, from 1922 it's called Nanook of the North yeah guys uh, thanks for watching those movie dudes we really appreciate it at the very least if you like the podcast or if you don't uh, go on Podbean iTunes and uh, leave a scathing review or a good review. We would just want a review in general would be great. And uh, you know, check out Mainstream Boy, one of our new one of our new segments. We have four, three or four episodes out now. It comes out every Monday. Uh, most recent episode has you know three you know mini movie reviews. Me and Spencer talked about on there. So check that out. And yeah, make sure you listen to uh, us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. That's where uh, that's. A- Okay. Well, wherever you get your podcasts, that's where we are. Uh, And thank you for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Those Movie Dudes podcast. Next week's episode will be available on August 21st, where the three of us will get together once again and talk about three critically acclaimed films. Also, make sure to follow us at Those Movie Dudes and check out the latest episode of Mainstream Boy, hosted by your pal, Jonathan. Me, talking to you right now. Once again, stay safe and wash your fucking hands.